Welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, episode 132, Just Good News, journal entry 29. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's episode, let me remind you where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter. Any place you <clears throat> listen to podcasts, you can find us there. And if you can't find us on one of those spots, just Google Be Boomer Unleashed, and I'm sure we'll show up somewhere. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. With your comments, questions, criticisms, suggestions for future episodes, or if you would like to be a guest on the Be Boomer Unleashed podcast or know someone who should be a guest here, drop us a line and we'll do our best to get you or your friend on the program. Well, today's episode 132, we go through chapter 7 of Carrie Schmidt's book, Done, What Most Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible. And uh, chapter 7 is entitled, God's Only Miraculous Substitute. And uh, last uh, episode, we talked about chapter 6, can I get a substitute? Well, the answer to that is yes, and we're going to find out who that is today. So without further delay, let's move on to Carrie Schmidt's book, Done, What Most Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible. Chapter 7, God's Only Miraculous Substitute First, understand this isn't just any substitute. I can't pay for your sins, you can't pay for mine. In fact, no mere human being can pay for the sins of another because we're all under the same debt. We're all made of the same stuff and we all have a sin nature. And remember, this isn't just a performance or a behavior problem. It's a being problem. The problem isn't just what I've done. It's who I am and what is inside of me. For this reason, this substitute must be an amazing kind of miraculous substitute that not only pays for my sin, but also completely removes it from me and destroys it forever. This miracle requires a kind of spiritual surgery that removes the cancer of sin and creates in me a new identity, one that isn't sinful before God. I need a substitute who can change the inside of me from being sinful to being righteous before God. I need a substitute who will die the death that sin requires once and for all. I need more than a surface makeover. I need a complete spiritual rebuild. Jesus actually called it rebirth. In John chapter 3, Jesus is approached by a very religious man, a very good man. This was a man who had spent his life doing very good things for God. And Jesus said unto him in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, unless you have a complete spiritual rebirth, unless we can change your spiritual identity from sinful to righteous, you cannot enter into heaven. Again, he said in John 3, 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. 
When this man was astounded at Jesus' requirement, he asked, Well, how can a man be born when he's old? Then Jesus said, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, your first birth by water was your physical birth, but your second birth by Spirit must be a spiritual birth. This isn't something you can see with your eyes. It's something you experience in your heart. A substitute. A miraculous stand-in, the kind of substitute that doesn't just pay a debt, but the kind that completely rebuilds me and gives me a new spiritual bloodline. This is the kind of substitute that both pays for sin and also gives me a whole new identity before God, one without sin and without debt. So who is this substitute? Here's what God says. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's Romans 5, 6. Again, he says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. God sums it up in Romans 5, 19 when he says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Jesus personally stated, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John 10, 11. In John 14, 6, Jesus was telling his disciples that he was preparing to go back to heaven to prepare a place for them. During the conversation, one of his disciples basically asked, well, how do we get there? Amazingly, this is exactly what Jesus said to him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is an exclusive statement. Jesus literally said, if you ever hope to come to God, you must go through me. He didn't say you must go through baptism, through a church, through a priest, or through any other way. He said, I am the only way. He is the only substitute for our sin. Many religions have mediators or go-betweens to bring men to God. Some call them priests or bishops, but the basic intent is that this man helps bring you to God in some way that you cannot come to him yourself. Again, God speaks out clearly on this and says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 In other words, Jesus is the only mediator you ever need. In Hebrews 2.9, God says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Yes, God did provide an amazing, miraculous substitute to die your death and my death, to take away our sins and to rebirth us spiritually so that we could come to him. Jesus is our substitute. Jesus is your substitute. God's answer 
Yes, you can have a substitute, but this substitute has to be more than just a man. The only solution was for God to take the form of a man, come to earth, live a sinless life, and personally die for us. Yes, Jesus is God. If you think that's an extreme claim, consider this. First of all, he repeatedly said that he was God. Here's one example. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest then, show us the Father? John 14, 9. Good men or good teachers don't go around claiming that they are God. Secondly, he not only died, but he rose from the dead. All over the world, you can visit the burial places of religious leaders and founders of worldwide religious systems. For every religion but one, true Christianity. When you visit Jesus' tomb, it's wide open and empty. Historical fact very much supports the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. Consider this. After Jesus died, his followers went back to their old jobs fishing. They rejected him. Their dream was dead. These weren't the kind of guys who would die for a lie. Just a few days later, something life-changing and miraculous happened that caused them to leave fishing for the rest of their lives. They also died horrible deaths for the message they preached that Christ died and rose again. Let me ask you this question. Would you die for what you knew to be a lie? I doubt it. The fact that the disciples died for their message, every one of them is proof enough that Jesus truly rose from the dead. We know Jesus is God because he is the only man who ever conquered death and proved it undeniably. But now is Christ risen from the dead, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. Thirdly, we know Jesus is God because it's the only viable option. There are really only three things Jesus could have been. God in the flesh, a liar, or a crazy man. One author puts it this way, Lord, liar, or lunatic. He was much too wise and his ministry too powerful to call him crazy. He couldn't have been lying because, again, his teaching was too true and he and his followers all would have died for a lie. His miracles, his life-changing three-year ministry, and his literal resurrection from the death all proved that he was God in the flesh. If you refuse to believe that Jesus is God, you must throw out the entire Bible because this fact is woven like a thread into every page. Colossians 1.15 calls him the image of the invisible God. 1 Timothy 3.16 clearly states, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Jesus personally fulfilled dozens of Bible prophecies where God promised to send us a Savior. These were things completely out of his control, like where and when he would be born, 
who his parents were, and how he would die. Every single prophecy was fulfilled perfectly, just as the Bible predicted. For thousands of years, God promised to send this substitute, and when he came, he came just as God said he would. Yes, Jesus is God in the flesh. John 1.14 He came to earth for one reason. It was the only way to rescue us from the ruthless enemy of sin. This enemy had so invaded our world that it was holding us hostage to condemnation. God loves us so much that he literally came to earth to rescue us. Let's find out just what he had to go through to carry out this rescue mission. Next week, the story gets even better. Well, isn't it wonderful that God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins? You see, Jesus had no sin. But Jesus was willing to die for my sins and your sins so that we might have the debt paid in full, that we might be able to spend an eternity in heaven instead of an eternity in hell. My, my, what a Savior. What a sacrifice. What a substitute. I don't understand why he did it, but I'm certainly glad he did. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, my friend, just simply ask him to come into your heart today and save you. He'll do that. He'll do that very thing. Just say, you know, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have messed things up in my life. I know I can't pay for my sin, but I accept your sacrifice for my sin, and I want you to come into my heart, forgive my sin, pay my debt, and be my Savior. And he'll do that very thing. Well, next week, we continue on with Chapter 8 in the book done, What Most Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible by Carrie Schmidt. And once again, we encourage you to buy that book, maybe multiple copies of it, to give to those who are seeking for an answer to life's problems, to the problem of their sin debt. Simple little book, easy read, and uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand what Brother Schmidt is saying here. I encourage you to get it. It's a great witnessing tool. You'll be glad you did. You can get copies of Carrie Schmidt's book at www.strivingtogether.com or on Amazon.com. Well, it's been great to be with you today. I really appreciate you tuning in. Next week, we'll continue on. We're just about finished with this little book, and then we'll move on to some other things that we've uh, been preparing uh, during the uh, reading of this book, and hopefully you'll join us for those episodes as well. We uh, hope you'll join us again uh, for the next episode of Be Boomer Unleashed. wouldn't be much fun uh, if you didn't come and join us. But until then, until we meet again, Have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.